Good evening, and this is Andrew Schechter of Politically Incorrect Podcast on EA Truth Radio, brought to you by Eternal Affairs Media every Thursday night. Tonight we have a very special guest we will introduce in one moment. First, we'll have a prayer to our show and to our guest, and, and, uh, and then we'll continue. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we pray this evening. We pray for our great nation. We pray for our great guest speaker who's doing the work of God, the work of the the, the work of keeping things uncensored and and, keep, and keeping the word out there. And trying to be, you know, the, Satan is out there trying desperately to shut us down and to, and to quiet us. And we're not going to tolerate that, Heavenly Father. We pray that you give us the strength and the power. And give our guests the strength and the power to go on to be strong through these trying times. In these heaven, in, in your heavenly name, we pray these things. Amen. Tonight we have Amen. a special guest. Our, our special guest um, is Daryl Becker of Content Safe. He seems like a very interesting person. We had a talk before the the interview started, and I'm going to let him kind of steer. But first of all, Daryl, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and about what Content Safe is. Well, Content Safe is a video distribution company, and we work for the alt media, the alternative media, people who have a great message to get out there. And especially we go to love to niche down to those content creators who happen to have had their shows very censored. So if you I'm sure you know for like the 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 audio of this podcast, it's really easy with an RSS feed just to get your show up everywhere that podcasts are available. That one's easy. You know, thanks to the work of Aaron Schwartz, who was the pioneer to help bring us RSS feeds in general. But when it comes to videos, you know, like uh, when you want this video up on places, well, as we both know, YouTube can be pretty hardcore to censor, as can its you know subsidiaries, the meta companies like Facebook and Instagram, and um, and of course, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't really trust uh, Twitter to be uncensored forever or even right now. Honestly, if you say the wrong thing, you could still get pulled onto the big from the big tech companies. So that's why there are places that are presently way less censored. For, you know, you put your videos up there and to grow your audience, you get your stuff up there on Rumble, you know, which is made more popular now, thanks to Russell Brand on BitChute, which is the original old guard place where you'd have all the censored videos, you know, people watching Plandemic, etc. All the things that just get censored off of YouTube, they go right there to BitChute on Odyssey, uh, um, basically on um on many different platforms, we we definitely have about 13 different platforms and growing just to to get the videos up on all the places that just takes time and we do it automatically. So we help people like you, uh, Andrew, just to get your information, your your shows in front of more eyes and ears. That's what we do as far as like the video distribution part. We also do other things uh, in terms of helping our content creators with other a la carte tasks that they got going on. And yeah, I'm Daryl Becker. I'm co-owner of contentsafe.co and I'm over here on the big island of Hawaii. Um, uh, definitely love to just work with content creators around the world at this point. And I've been a uh, definitely consumer of the alternative media since I could get like an internet signal since I had dial up and I was just definitely slowly downloading shows back when I lived in Vermont. And then I moved here to Hawaii and suddenly I had, you know, like the technology just leaped forward and I had the ability to just take in all kinds of amazing information from really well done journalists who did not stop and stick with the mainstream narrative, but instead we're, we're finding the actual, you know, what what the verified evidence seemed to point to. I'm talking about people like James Corbett of the CorbettReport.com, uh, people uh, who present day just really push the envelope as far as what's allowed to be talked about, such as our friend Sam Tripoli over at Tinfoil Hat Podcast, the Tinfoil Hat Show. Um, these, you know, there's there are a lot of really big names that we love to work with and and correlate with, and yeah, we're hoping to to get you guys on board at. at EA Truth Radio, and definitely we want to grow your audience. We want to get more eyes and ears on your show. 
Well, that definitely sounds like a winner. I'm going to ask you a dumb question. I mean, I, I don't want to. I don't want you to commit because I know how I know how all this works in in marketing and advertising and promotion. But is it something that's affordable? I know it, a, a group that has an ongoing podcast or or, or a following probably could have you know afford various types of promotion. But if you have a single person starting out with a, with a podcast or, or you know very small following, would it be something that would be that would be worked up to or, or geared up to or uh, affordability is what I'm asking, I guess. Yeah, we have various levels of making it affordable, but it all does depend on how many videos do you have and how many different locations do you want them to go. So for someone who's just like one show once a week, that's that's pretty affordable. You know, we can just get it up there. I think you'd, you'd find that we're really competitive and, you know, frequently we're, you know, starting in the price of a dollar an upload. Uh, but, you know, that does kind of tend to add up when you're going on a, a lot of different locations. So we just like to work with right now because um, we're, we're in the soft launch of our company. We really just work with the content creator. And sometimes if you're there, the bigger shows, well, just the promotion alone, plus some type of monetary compensation is enough for us. And certainly like for the shows that they come out with, you know, a video every single day or two per day. And they're just they're aiming for hitting all these different platforms to get the video up there. Well, you know, that's th those those people, they already make them enough. They are monetized enough. So we have to, like, you know, judge it based on who are we working with? How monetized is the show? Because we know that a lot of people in alt media, you guys are doing it as a love, a labor of love that you're just, you know, you're putting your stuff out there. And we get that. But we we highly encourage and also help with the process of monetization, like just to go over what's your monetization strategies? You know, what ways do you actually make money from your content? Because making money, that's actually that's truly is doing the Lord's work, because if you're not making money, then you're going backwards unless you have like a war chest of, of dollars behind your project. You need to have money coming in so that you can get the message out there so you can help more people with your message. And sometimes, you know, if you've gotten hit with payment processors, well, we've at content safe, we got ways to help you out with picking con, you know, picking payment processors that won't censor you as much. Cause that's another place where people can get censored. Um, I don't know if you remember 2018 uh, or this time when a big tech censorship really like flexed its muscle and they decided to take down Alex Jones and a thousand other creators and I believe there was a time when they took down Trump from Twitter and all the other big tech platforms. Do you, you remember that, Andrew? I absolutely do. Absolutely do. That was the same year yeah. that my bank shut me down because I was running for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania and took a photograph with one of the members of the of the GOP committee in, in Luzerne County. Turned out he was a skinhead. I didn't realize it. Well, Southern Poverty Law Group came out and hammered the heck out of me. And suddenly the bank just shut me down. I said, you know, you can't bank here anymore. So I lost all ability for funding my campaign at that point. I had to go to a different facility. I had to go to a local bank that knows me. But I, yeah, it was a terrible time. Yeah, it really can be like that. I mean, it's it's a rude awakening for folks who thought that following the rules was all you needed to do. And that's when the awakening came for people that the rules were actually nebulous on purpose to obviously pick winners and losers. And big tech was obviously very interested in picking specific winners and losers in the information warfare that goes on. And that's just been the way it is for a very long time now but with the wild west of the internet there you know there was obviously a need uh on the ruling class and the big tech side to obviously make small on ramps that can be controlled so that messages that were counter to a desired narrative would be constricted and eliminated removed basically and messages that were in sync with the desired you know, um, in this case, divide and conquer messages, you know, like just getting people against each other and, and dividing up into small little groups. Um, the, the the ideas of obviously trusting government and trusting the biggest media and the biggest corporations of the world, trusting, uh, as we can maybe discuss later in the show, 
the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world, the ones, the same ones that got hit with the biggest fines based upon actual death and mayhem caused by their products in the world, looking at you, Pfizer. Um, when this stuff was, you know, they the big tech, they they really picked their winners and losers. And so what you got to find out as, as a candidate for political office is that you were on the side of the folks that they wanted to punish, even though you, you thought you were following the rules, right? But you were not the chosen one that was going to be following the actual recipe of obviously doing the bidding of these very large financial and industrial giants who make the de facto decisions in what we both call government. <laughs> and you're on the other side of that. Um, how did that all go, by the way? I mean, what what was the end result of, of your campaign? Well, it went. It was phenomenal, actually. I, I did not win, obviously. Um, I didn't get on the ballot even because you need 2,000 signatures to get on the ballot. But my goal was not to win that election. My goal was to make friends and uh, and, then, and pick up some donors, which I did. A, I had a lot of fun. And one of the things that, that I've learned is that if you want to speak out and you want to speak your, your piece to the public and in particular to the politicians and the political community and to those in power, you need to be someone of, no, of notoriety. And by running for the U.S. Senate, I mean, it was absolutely the most difficult thing I've ever done. It's not just a matter of getting your name on the ballot. It is incredibly difficult. There's a process to follow. You need a certain amount of people. I also found that if you can find, if you put your name on that, on that ballot, if you get your name up on there so you're ready to run, you will have a cadre of people coming after you wanting to work for you for free. I never knew that I was aware of it. I had a cameraman. I had a photographer. I had, I had a, pr a press agent. I, I had a campaign all for free. And they said, if you win, then we'll be on your team. And that's just, it was phenomenal, but we got all across the state, got to speak to lots and lots of people and got my message out, which was the important thing because it's, how do you get your message out? You know, even if it's on a podcast, you can't, you can get to the, to the, to the general public, but you can't really get to the, the uppers, the, 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 the congressmen, the senators, the, the people and the press as well. Cause the press yeah, had lots of interviews and you need to learn how to speak to the press. So that was highly successful. Um, I ran a campaign last uh, last year for for Congress, which is what I was actually gearing for. And we have a guy in Congress right now that's not too bad. I'm waiting to see what he, what he's planning to do next year, but I am planning to get on running for Congress. That one I think I can win, in all honesty, because I've got a huge following now. Everybody knows me. And the best thing about it is you get out to speak. You get to speak your piece and, and tell the truth. Tell God's word. Tell the truth. And if you tell it right, if you speak it right, and you speak to the people's heart, you know, I have... I have people on both sides of the fence. I've got uh, you know, longtime Democrats and I got, and I got longtime Republicans. And I'm, of course, I'm a conservative Republican. And my message goes to to all of them. And they, you know, I've got a standing ovation everywhere I've gone. So I'm really looking forward to to hopefully next year's campaign, and and we'll see where it goes. But it, your success is not always geared up by whether you win or lose. It's by what you gain from the from the from the. Uh, the mission. I, I knew that, you know, U.S. Senate is something you almost can't get unless you're a governor or somebody that's already got a billion dollars in your pocket. Um, but but it was a great success. And I, I encourage anyone, even if all you do is go out to your school boards, which are very important because they're the ones that are, that are trying to teach our, our kids the Satan's ways. And you need to be on these boards. You need to get out there. Stop complaining about it and, uh, and, and go out and do something about it is the way I say it. I'm taking up your whole podcast, but I'll turn it back to you. <laughs> Hey, I appreciate it. Like, I like to know where folks are coming from because you guys are, you know, my target market. You guys are actually more than that. You guys are actually producing the alternative media that I consume. And I've been consuming for, I don't know, it's like pushing pretty much 20 years back when I just had to do the, you know, AOL getting a CD disc and to try to like getting dial up and slowly getting, you know, kilobyte by kilobyte the audio file of your show. You know, that's that goes back to that time period. Um, and and now, of course, you know, everything is like rapidly, instantly streaming. I'm, I have accessible on various various platforms. Um, so, yeah, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Um, when you mentioned, you know, you mentioned several things in like um, like in terms of like politics, in terms of schools. And we're in the 21st century now, Andrew, you know. That means things have changed a lot in perspectives. A lot of information has opened up uh, things. I don't know if you kind of like looked into it, but like a lot of people who lean in the direction of conservative, Republican, and 
I would just even suggest libertarian or the lowercase L of those who love liberty and freedom and choice and understanding boundaries, ownership and property. A lot of folks who like uh, and I'm going to put myself in that camp, too. We've looked into this and we said, you know what? Uh, just like has been said a long time ago, if you trust your enemy with the education of your child, you're going to have a bad time. So you parents out there who have your children in these government schools that you call public schools, uh, they're taking in messages, as we both know right now, that are incredibly counterproductive. They're counter to the success of your child, both you know financially and mentally and emotionally, You know, teaching them obviously learned obedience, conformity, and a type of philosophical apathy. And this this work, you can like look into the work of John Taylor Gatto and other critics of public government schools. Um, I think that a lot of folks that I'm, I'm, you know, like in your audience right now, I'm talking to right now, you guys understand that you, you saw the, the damage during the pandemic times, uh, World War COVID, as I like to call it, and you pulled your children right out of that situation. You saw that home education was the way to go. And a lot of home educators, you guys saw that, guess what? The children themselves can make their own curriculum much better. So, you know, seeking and, and designing their own curriculum much, much better than than anyone who can is outside of that. And the parent, all you have as an opportunity is to get your child from helpless and dependent on you to an empowered adult, but not necessarily at age 18, they could start getting the tools and skills way before age 18 and fail forward. They could be your children out there who are, you know, like age 10, 11, 12, et cetera, can be making money online now. They can be finding out and learning out how to have all the skills that they need to be a powerful, functional adult of the 21st century. And I think a lot of you uh, folks like they're out there, you haven't really scheduled the time. Your parents, you have not scheduled the time and the money and the mental and emotional resources to be around your child, that you have jobs probably where you're not able to be around your child, you can't demonstrate to them how to be an empowered functional adult. Well, that's understandable, but this the opportunity is still there as a parent to get your children out of these indoctrination camps and to find ways of empowering your child to, to learn how to make ways of making money, to learn how to actually learn you know, transportation independence. That's why children, you know, get in a vehicle and start learning how to drive at a hopefully early age. That's how they children learn how to associate with people who are going to lift them up and how to disassociate from people who are going to bring them down and disempower them. And that's the obviously that's that's part of understanding that you are your own first property. And this empowerment, you know, I think that your audience out there is ripe for this message that what worked a hundred years ago, what like in terms of indoctrination camps and and forced public schooling, um, that didn't really work. It worked on the in terms of it helped the ruling class create a, a class of dependency. But you go back 150 years ago, Andrew, and everyone was self-educated and people were jumping into the entrepreneur life, you know, right around age 10, 11, 12, apprenticing and working for people and making your own business and pulling that together really quickly. And I think more and more of the liberty-minded parents, more and more of the conservative people who are listening to us right now, Andrew, they know this message. They know that their child needs a, a leg up in this world. And what might have worked for them when they were a child, what might have worked like for their parents is not necessarily what's working right now. There's more opportunities. Like you're on Fountain F FM, right, Andrew? Is that true? Yeah, that's why we're we're on quite a number. We're on Fountain. We're on uh, uh, what's the other one? Yeah. There's a bunch of them. We're on a whole bunch of them right now. Right. So on Fountain, there's a place where people can actually you know, give you two cents for your opinion by throwing you some satoshis, some pieces of Bitcoin at you right now. Hopefully, like please, um, asking you right now if you're listening um, to on Fountain, go ahead and and if you like what you're hearing, like throw some satoshis to Andrew Schechter right now. That that. Eternal Affairs Truth Radio is what you like, that you like this message. And that's the kind of thing that children can be learning to do out there to become empowered, that they could be making their own shows, making their own content, which funnels in the direction of the actual services and products that they are ready to sell, that while living under your roof, your children right there can be actually making, like learning how to make units of value that we call money 
you know, and Bitcoin is real money. That's a real investment thing right there. Um, they could be earning units of value and gaining that power of independence that they're going to need very, very soon, you know, and the prolonging, the artificial prolonging of childhood where children like, you know, like are not learning how to adequately float their own boat financially and using like time management, mentally, emotionally, transportation wise and location wise, schedule wise, they don't have um, a, a, a way of making meaning and purpose. They end up being 18, 19, 20, 21, going to college, taking in more superfluous information, being overeducated like I was for my medical career. And and just basically wasting time when they could be actually learning all these skills of being an empowered adult. So my message for for you parents out there who are listening to the show, just to really like maybe take a double think about this, that what may have worked for you doesn't necessarily have to work for your children. There are new ways of doing things. And I know old dogs don't like new tricks, but I'm hoping that there's some courageous listeners out there. I'm sure there will be. And you bring up some interesting topics. If you don't mind, I'll throw in a, some food for thought. One of the things I raised my kids to be independent, 100% independent. I, and they didn't even have an allowance, if, but they did get money if they helped out. So like my, my son wor worked his way up. <clears throat> he wanted to um, get a computer many, many years ago, the AOL days. So I told him, I said, look, I'm not buying you a computer, but you know, I always did my own work on, on my automobiles and it was, it's tough. It's a lot of work and I can't crawl under the car that much. So I said, why don't you look, why don't you go help me fix the car and I'll pay you for that instead of taking it to a mechanic. Now I was going to fix it anyway, of course, but this saved me the aggravation. So I, number one, I taught him how to work on vehicles. I taught him how to do mechanics and use tools and he, he needed the money. So he worked real hard for it. And it, as it turns out, he's now, he's now a mechanic. He went in for a job as a mechanic and just said, you went in, a, there was a help wanted sign. He walked in and goes, I see you need a mechanic. I said, well, I'm here. And they, and they hired him. You know, and it was that confidence that gets you hired. And, and he's now one of their best mechanics. It was funny because two years after he was hired, they said, we need a copy of your certificates. He said, for what? For welding, for this, for that, whatever he does. Well, I never had any training. My dad trained me. What did they do? They didn't fire him. He said, so yeah. you can't fire you. You're the best mechanic we got. They actually paid for, for all of his training. All of my kids went through that same route. I've got a daughter now who's got an antique shop. She sells used stuff that she started finding. She started on eBay. Now she's got an actual shop for, of her own. And my other daughter went to college, left, went back to college. And now she's got a PhD. And now she's going out and, you know, doing things. They did it on their own. They, they learned how to, they learned how to, how to take care of themselves. Um, and they learned it for, they learned it for me because that's the way I, I treat them. And they, they thought it was kind of uh, tough because I was a tough fa a father, <laughs> but they, they, they've, they actually thanked me. And as time went on, and it, it was funny because I was thinking about that just the other day. And I actually wrote, I'm in the process of publishing actually a, a book, uh, a child's, a children's book, which um, some adults probably like too, but it, it's called, um, uh, this is daddy's grass basically. Cause that's how it started out, uh, where, the kids would do things. I said, no, this is daddy's, whatever. This is daddy's. And I always remember it was, this is daddy's, this, this is daddy's that. And, and then I would teach them how to use these things if they wanted to, like the kid wanted to learn how to mow the lawn, et cetera. So I, I'm actually writing a book called that. And then how, you know, you, you, as you age that suddenly you realize that your kids have become you and now they're independent and on their own. Um, but myself, when I went in to, uh, you know, I wanted to, I was a, a, a technician. I had a, a, a technical school degree initially with, um, uh, for electronics. And I wanted to get into biomedical engineering. And I went to Drexel University, I went to Temple, Spring Garden College. I couldn't get through. I hated college. They hissed, my, my mom, before she passed away, said I, the, the school had told her I have one of the highest IQs they've ever seen, higher than Albert Einstein's. It was so high, I guess, that I just could not tolerate the simplicity of, uh, of what you know, they teach in schools. So I just went out. And now I'm going to be honest with you. And I, I love to tell the story. I just I just came out last year because I didn't want to. I, I'm, I'm now at the you know getting later in life now, and I can give up my secrets. The fact is that I was the uh, director of biomedical engineering for a major Philadelphia hospital for a number of years. I was the manager and director of the the uh, GE the network operations center for GE Capital. I was a network operations manager for Verizon, um, and I was also an electrical engineer for for Siemens Energy and Automation. Now, I want you to think about that. Think about those career positions and guess that I got into those positions with a high school diploma and no college degree. You can do it. 
you can do it. God is with yeah. you. If you pray and you follow God's path and you trust in God and don't give up and you trust in yourself and you are confident, you can do it. That's my message to you, to all my listeners out there today, because that's you really need to get out there. And whether it's political and, and aspirations or, or, or career or, or whatever, just go out and do it. You can make it happen. God has given you that power. Yeah, see, this is one of those empowering messages I was looking for. And I'm really grateful that you touched on that because where children often don't know this and too many parents aren't actually telling them this is that the the time of the college degree is shrinking and and could indeed completely go away. There are now much larger, more lucrative gray market ways of making money that would completely dwarf the income availability for the the process of going through college and school a trade school can make a lot of money uh because you know you're going into an actual trade that's highly relied upon that like is keeping the infrastructure of like everything in america and everything in every single country rolling and those those things are really important like there will always be a need for people in construction and auto repair and in keeping the lights on in general that 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 is always a given and those are trade schools. Those are small like learning opportunities. And they will, of course, take people in who, you know, the apprentices and journeymen who just learned on the job like they did with your children, like like those guys did. Then there's, of course, uh, the reality is, you know, um, the resume is dead. It's like compared to actually giving a portfolio of pleased clients and showing any type of employer or any anyone that you're going to actually do business with any potential client show me the pleased clients show me who you, you know, solved problems with like and and what problems you solved and that's like you know that that's basically presenting a video to someone presenting a website that has the videos on there presenting actual evidence of what you actually did as units of value to change the world in a positive way and that's you know getting to be more accessible nowadays and you see how all of this is a different way of thinking it requires an open-minded way of thinking and i think that a lot of parents because they might have had college did succeed for them that it was cheaper for them that you know a lot of things were cheaper for them though of course you know the the price per units you know the 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 wages per hour that they were getting was also less but the opportunities were different for those who had collegiate, you know, uh, cred, basically, like uh, what I had to do for my medical license. And I'm a licensed acupuncturist. That's oriental medicine. So I had to play the game to do all of that. But I've certainly I got to say that my high school dropout friends all make like way more money than I do because they are all motivated, just like you, to do way better. And all they had to do was, again, solve problems. And they didn't waste a bunch of time in college. That was really important, you know. Um, I think that the opportunities that are available nowadays are incredible. I think that's part of the gift of, I guess, that's part of the the gift of the creator for being alive in this time, you know, Andrew. Like that, these are opportunities, and they're all accessible to us uh, right now. If you make content and you want it, you want the videos up in lots of places. At contentsafe.co, we are an opportunity to get your message in front of more eyes and ears, and we're ready to work with you, like to to get the message out there. Um, and we only have a few rules of why we wouldn't work with a company because we, you know, we 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 work for almost everyone, but we certainly have some scruples. Well, and I, and I would hope so. Now, what were you talking about? The company you gave the website. Is there anybody to talk to in particular, or are you uh, you one of those people that you would sell to, or who would they call, or who would they contact? Well, I I do love to be the marketing and, and sales facing person, but when it comes down to it, Matt Raymer, he's the CEO of Content Safe, and I like to get people in who are in your business, Andrew, just to like directly have a conversation with him. I'm hoping I'm going to basically be emailing you later with his contact info and his calendar so that you could just, just have a talk and maybe it works out that you get your show distributed. Do you have any of your shows up on video? We have some videos. Occasionally we'll, we'll pull, I, I, I've done a few of, of my shows. I do my own stuff too. And then there's of course the EA media. So if you could send that information to me, if you don't have my contact information, 
just type my name in any web browser, you'll find it. <laughs> it's very simple to find. Um, it's just my name, basically. Uh, but oh. yeah, if you could send it off, off yeah. to Curtis Saray and uh, and also to me, I would really appreciate that. Um, we do. We've done a. Yeah, few... it's going to go to Curtis. Yeah. Now I've done. I've done a. Um, uh, uh, I'm redoing my studio right now, so I'm not. I'm, that's why I'm not in video right now. But usually, I record my interviews in video and audio, and if they come out great, then you know, a few of my guests have really wonderful uh, graphic presentations. So. They come out great, then, then I ask if they want to put the video up. So there's a few out there. I'm sure there's going to be more in the near future. And that's why I was asking that question. I'm looking at doing some things on my own that are, that are, that are I don't want to say contrary to uh, EA Media. They're, they're on my own uh, level, which is, you know, we're, we're, we're a little bit off in, in different ways, in different ways, and just topics that are not related. Um, so it would be my own things, but so I'm looking to do that. And of course, in Eternal Affairs Media, we're doing everything that pertains to God's word and how it fits in this society. So there, there, will, there will be videos coming up. And like I said, I would like the information as well myself, because I'm sure we can do business as well. Yeah, that would, that would be great. And um, I mean, I tried to do a little research for your, your show before the before I got on your show here and tried to like see, OK, I see you're talking about these topics with these people. And I didn't go all the way back in time to see, God, what was it like in 2020 or 2021 when there was a lot of hype about a particular virus and then eventually a particular injectable medicine for that virus? And um, like, how did how did you cover that back then? What, what was your perspective? Well, in, in all honesty, we were trying to keep a low key because we were we were still out on some of the mainstream media. So we would. I don't say dance around it, but you would know what we're talking about. But we would kind of dance around the issues, uh, but still discuss them. Uh, but it, it, it was tough because you, you know, and I told my audience that you can't, you can't say these things, or, or they're going to, you know, blacklist us, and we won't be able to be seen. And, and you know, we've got to be very careful. Uh, but we did, we did get around it to some degree by by just generic conversations, if you will. Yeah, right, and then like how about privately like what did you conclude was going on what did you think was going to be happening as far as are you allowed to as far as like in 2020 2021 you you can see the the writing on the wall perhaps maybe you were taking in some alternative media yourself you know to sort of get more informed on the the current events beyond the mainstream media's narrative Oh, I, I, absolutely. And, and it's tough out there right now. I, I, I'll be honest with you. There's like you said, there's some good platforms like Rumble and and, and the other ones that are out there, BitChute, et cetera. Uh, the, the problem is that that it's hard to, you know, get your message out to people you know, that, that are that are not like minded. And, and my personal message, like when I'm running for Congress next year, I'd love to get some some you know podcasts out on, on what's going on, because uh, a lot of people love me. A lot of people hate me. When they hear the message, it's God's word. It's God's message. It's the, you know, you can call yourself a, a conservative Republican, uh, but if you don't listen to the other people out there and what people really need, if you forsake the the people of this country for your own, you know, image that you believe the Republican Party represents, then you're going to lose. And that's how we lost in Pennsylvania when we saw, you know, the uh, Menaz went out there, and even more so, you looked at. Um, uh, Doug Mastriano went out there. Ninety-eight percent of the vote that Doug got in the primary, and he lost. He, and I, I told him, "You're not going to win because you're you're giving the wrong message." You know, the, you, you can give the Christian message, but you've got to you've got to you've got to show show uh, uh, support for the, for those who don't believe in that word and, and and explain why the why of it. And, and when you get down to the to brass tacks, we're all looking for the same thing. That's the message I want to get out you know, next year when I'm running for for, for the Congress. And, and that's why you have to, but you have to reach both sides of the fence. And that's really hard these days. It used to be you could go on like Google Plus till they shut it down. I and mean, that was a great platform. It really was. You have some great it conversations was. with Democrats, Republicans, independents, all of them. And and most of it was not nasty. I mean, we had good conversations, uh, more so than on Facebook. Um, and, you know, I can go on Facebook sometimes. As long as my message isn't saying, you know, vote for Donald Trump, I can go on Facebook, basically. Uh, but you know, as long as it's open to the to what the actual causes are, but my, you know, my my philosophy is, you know, you know, G Jesus said, you know, he had his followers, and, and the, the the idea was, you know, if you don't, you don't you don't throw the first stone when you're when there's someone out there that's doing something wrong with something evil, you know, when when you you're doing something just as evil yourself, you know, you shouldn't be the one throwing the stones. Only only Jesus can throw stones, 
And when you look at, at, at people that are out there, if you don't look at, at their needs, um, whether it's health care, I think health care is a huge one. God, always said, we are such bad shape. I don't want to get into that. We'll get into the holistic health care a little in a bit because you said you were talking about that. But I, I've got a real problem with health care. Um, and if, in, just a, the fact that there are so many corrupt organizations now running you know, national type health care. And the statistics, I wrote a book on economics for and related to healthcare industry in particular back in 2018 when I was running for the Senate. Uh, that was my book that I wrote for it. And I, I was shocked to learn that that in the United States of America, almost 75% of all Americans are on are on subsidized uh, government health care, almost 75%. And in other nations like in uh, uh, that don't have, you know, national health care, the percentages are, are much, are much lower. Um, now, if you took all those resources and combined them into, into a combined, you know, maybe a public slash you know, private slash uh, health plan where you could make your choice, whether you wanted the government to give you a health insurance or you wanted to go buy it, uh, you probably we'd probably be able to be saving half of what we're spending now on health care and wouldn't have the deductibles. I consider myself to be uninsured right now. I actually wear a button that says um, hard work, hard working man, uh, hard working, uninsured man or something like that. I forget what that was. It's actually a, de- a button that Democrats put out, but I loved it. Because it's, you know, right now, if I go to, if I get sick, I got a $5,000 deductible. You know, I get 500 bucks up to that point and that's it. Cause that's what they give me uh, to, to spend on healthcare. I'm not allowed to get sick flat out. And that, and that shouldn't be, and that's, that should yep. be, that should be something this whole country should complain about, but they don't. The Democrats, you know, don't even, I, I'm surprised they haven't come out with something, a better healthcare plan, but they don't come out because then the Republicans go against them. It's gotta be something that's not, it's bipartisan. It's gotta be fixed. And that's my that's my big platform that I go on. That's one of my primary platforms. Well, I think if like uh, when you're talking five thousand dollar deductible for insurance, that that's a common situation for a lot of people, and that's why a lot of people go onto the poor man's health insurance that is, you know, government subsidized. And uh, I think what a lot of people understand eventually is that if you're going to trust doctors and these insurance companies to with your health care, well, you're the one who's actually causing whether you have health or disease, dis-ease, and that's taking actual responsibility. That's, you know, the ability to respond. And most people, of course, would rather presume that it's genetics, that it's just um, the bad luck of catching diseases from pathogens like bacteria and viruses. They, they make an assumption that that's how it works, uh, genetics and bacteria and viruses and just bad luck, things like that. But that's not how it works. As far as I've been in healthcare for 25 years, and I'd say that was a story. And if you believe that story, I think you're going to have a bad time because that's a victim type story. Here's the empowerment story that I would give instead is that right now, everyone listening, myself included, you are the one who's causing your health or disease state. And there are ways to fix this. And there's people who you can invest in to get results that are positive. And then there's many, many doctors who are going to follow along with the official story that they were given on how to treat a various type of condition that they're going to hurt you or kill you, depending. They are the number one, two, and three cause of death in the United States and in all industrial countries. They are doctors. They're in the number one, two, and three. The number one cause officially in stats of death is heart disease. And I'm going to posit that it's the way they diagnose and treat heart disease is basically why people die of these heart diseases. Not that they, uh, not that they're just simply like not getting any medical care and then dying of a cardiovascular or heart condition. No, no, no. They're, they're dying of the treatment and sometimes the diagnostic method. And the number two, that's cancer. And most people, they're not dying just because of completely undiagnosed, completely untreated cancer. No, that's not what happens. Mostly those people were, you know, basically they they went to go get diagnosed and the diagnostic method itself is frequently cancer enhancing. And then the treatment method of chemotherapy is further cancer enhancing and death enhancing. The chemotherapy has a small percentage of success and a huge, you know, percentage of killing people. Um, so that's the number one and two and the number three cause of death statistically. And that's just doctors dispensing medicines and other types of surgeries that they were taught they're supposed to dispense to, to their clients, patients, basically. And that's it, basically, Andrew. That's what's caused people to die. The number one, two and three ways of people dying is you trusting in doctors or 
you or someone you love uh, listening right there, trusting into a doctor, the wrong one. And there are holistic healthcare professionals that you could find. That's a service that I do is I find people across the mainland, across the U.S. and in other countries as well. I know how to find people who are effective to treat things. And just like if you're going to, well, geez, Andrew, if you're going to fix your house, guess what? You're pulling money out of pocket to fix your house. If you're going to fix your car, guess what? You're pulling money out of pocket to fix your car. And oh, when it comes to your health, did you want insurance to cover it? Well, why is it any different than your house and your car? You're going to pull out money. And in this case, like up to $5,000, because that's your deductible to fix yourself. The most important thing, more important than your house or your car. And I think this type of entitlement attitude that was taught to people like your insurance should pay for it when, of course, it's going to pay for the lowest quality at the highest cost of your health, you know, both physical, mental and emotional. I think that's something to keep in mind. And I'm hoping none of this is news to you. What, what do you think, Andrew? Well, you 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 got me now. We're going to probably go over an hour on this one because <laughs> this is just a great topic. But I um no, I got two. There's two things. First of all, my, my the what the thing that that really puzzled me. I went to my sister's funeral in April. My dearest friend and my and the greatest uh, companion of my entire life helped me out in everything, and she died of cancer. And then my son or her son rather told me that that when they talked to the doctors, they said. She died that the, the cancer was cured. There was no cancer in her when she died. It was the chemotherapy that killed her. They, they got rid of the yeah. cancer and killed her with the chemotherapy. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Oh, That's it makes a lot of sense. And you see how much money it made? Oh, it made them. Maybe a you didn't money. understand who it, who, who it profited. Key bono. That's right. the, the Latin phrase. Who benefits? Now, now you, you'll, you'll they made get- a lot of money. On that death. Yeah. Now, now you'll get a kick out of this one. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fortunate because I'm a cheap son of a gun. I mean, maybe I don't know what it's my heritage or what it is, but I, I, I don't like putting money out for anything, whether it's fixing a car or fixing myself. I like to do it the easy way and figure it out on myself. By doing it on your own, you learn you bypass these crazy doctors. Many years ago, I learned that. I learned two things. I learned, number one, you can maybe ex- extrapolate on this. When I, when I turn it back over to you, but I learned one thing. Well, what happened was that when I was 18, I started getting heart issues. And I was actually, in, I was actually working for, I started working for a company fixing me, uh, medical equipment, uh, in particular, 24 hour ambulatory monitors for heart, for measuring heart, your heart. And I took one home one night and here I'm getting absolute terrible cardiac ar- ar- arrhythmias. I had, you know, sinus bradycardia, sinus tachycardia. I had, I had junctional rhythm, junctional beats, and I had sinus pause at night for, uh, for, for up to eight seconds at night, where I would see myself going towards the light. That's how bad it was. And I talked to the doctors, and they examined me. There, and they, they said, "Well, you got to start taking aspirin. You got to do this. We got to, and, and you're probably going to need a pacemaker." So I went back a year later and says, yeah, you're going to probably need a pacemaker to fix that because you don't want to die in your sleep. I'm like, oh, and that scared the hell out of me. So I started doing some research. I said, well, what's wrong with me? And of course, I was the typical American diet, you know, potato chips and nachos and whatever else. And I said, you know what? And I was gaining weight. And I said, you know what? I said, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to do some research. I'm going to learn what's wrong and why people get sick. The first thing I did was I cut out sugars almost 100%. I cut out donuts yeah. and bagels. I used to eat a lot of donuts and bagels. Got rid of cake. Now I, just, I tell you, I don't. I didn't stop totally eating them. I might have a piece of cake on a birthday party, or I might, you know, my wife brings home a little piece of cake. I'll eat it once in a while. But once in a while, it's not going to kill you. But eating it all the time, that's bad for you. So I got rid of all of that, I, and I stopped drinking every form of soda pop. I don't care what's got real sugar or fake sugar. I don't care what it's got. I don't. I don't drink it. Water, uh, coffee, tea. Uh, herbal tea that's all i drink now so i started doing that and i started saying you know what the pro the real problem is the farming right now you know i, I wanted to eat fruits and vegetables and other things and I, you know what the problem is that when you then and we actually did some assays on because i had access to all the equipment and i find out that you know a tomato plant when you buy it from the grocery store it basically has carbohydrates and it has it has water and it has but it has no nutrients they're gone all they put is phos- is phosphorus and, and 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 just garbage in the soil just so the plant grows they don't care if it's good for you or not so i put together a, a, a vitamin supplement that i thought would be good for me and, and, and researched it and talked to a lot of people about it 
which I take now, I take about 20 bottles of vitamins every day. And, and I, and I, and I, and I started exercising and, um, uh, and, and watching, you know, if I didn't feel right, I would, I would adjust the, what, what I'm taking and 90% of my, of my, of my, of my diet right now is fruits and vegetables, 90%, literally. I eat meat once or twice a week, a little bit, and I eat small portions. And you know what? And all my, all my, all my, um, when they did all the blood tests, uh, they were all way off back then. They were terrible. They said, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to be really sick and then you're going to need a pacemaker. That was 50 years ago, 49. Years ago. And here I am today. And the last time that I went to the doctor, I, I, I the great thing was I, now we're, we all work from home, unfortunately. But when I had, when we we're in the office, we actually had a clinic so I could get tests all the time. But after I ran on this diet with a, with the you know mostly fruits and vegetables, the you know exercise, getting rid of the what I told you I got rid of. When I went to the doctor after that, they said I want to check you out. I went and he said your your your, your EKG is perfect. So, and they went through the tests. And you know how you read your textbooks, and I'm sure because as a getting the degree you have that you'll know that you'll have like a CBCs and the other ones that chem chem what do they call it, ten or whatever it is. I don't forget what they, which one that was. Uh, but all those tests that they give you, and you know how they have a min max, where it should be, every yes. one of them was right in the center, dead center, right in the middle of it, right in the center, every one of them. And it's been that way for the last 30 years. Healthy as an ox. Good, good news in general. And like, this is the part where you had problems across your whole life, far as I can tell, Andrew, and you just solved them mostly yourself without falling prey to trusting really popular like popularly publicized so-called experts and when it comes to these you know certain sciences especially the soft science of medicine you're going to have a really bad life if you trust in the most popular version of that that's the general thing of it and what i had to learn and accept about three years ago was that i took in i, I took in a variety of messages when i started my medical training in 1998 and uh, one of them, of course, is the popular incumbent, very well publicized version called the germ theory of disease. That's the idea that people get sick from bacteria that are floating around and the same thing for viruses, that these things are floating around. And then what happens is the so-called immune system would not be able to push the pathogen out. The pathogen goes in for, through the skin or the respiratory system or um somehow goes it goes into the body and then from there replicates and starts destroying cells and causing damage and then the person actually is not only sick but then becomes contagious and can actually get other people sick that's a theory and when i audited the evidence for this theory in 2020 as this whole scamdemic was going on basically i realized that you know um first of all i'd already seen evidence that uh, viruses were blamed on things falsely in the past. You can go ahead and look at Celia Farber and her work on the so-called HIV virus and AIDS um, th that basically a lot of syndromes going back to beriberi and even scurvy were blamed on virus pathogens before they had electron microscopy. They were blaming it on pathogens. Those are deficiency diseases, beriberi from B vitamin deficiency and scurvy from vitamin C deficiency. And there are a lot of different deficiency diseases and there are toxin diseases. And that's what they're all caused from. Deficiency in nutrients you need, toxins in various types of substances, heavy metals and chemicals that you, there, you know, there is no safe amount for. And the body is, just has a body burden of it. So I learned basically at that time when I audited what is virology. Did you ever read a virology paper and see what supports virology, Andrew? Did you ever look into virology at all? What not do you think? Big, not a big virologist. I, I should get more into that. I've been in a lot. You don't of need to be a virologist. I just mean to be to read a paper to look at how, how how does it actually work. You know, like to understand what their what their so called science is based on. Well, I did, and I didn't do it for twenty two years of my practice. But then I audited what they do. Here's how it works. Best I can tell you, Andrew. What they do is they make a claim that they assume is true. The claim is that the virus is causing a disease and the virus is in a, an animal or human. So then they take some purulent pus or some mucus or some other cellular material from the sick animal or human. 
And they go ahead and mix that with animal cells to culture the virus, usually monkey kidney cells or other types of cell lines. And of course, these are dead because they've removed them from the original host animal. And now they're trying to culture the virus. And then they add very strong types of antibiotics to this mixture to kill the bacteria so that they can only culture the virus. They mix this all together and then they take this mixture and start scanning it under a scanning electron microscope. And this microscopy itself is another production where they're taking these, these basically cell bits, then they're freezing it to a low temperature. They're adding, um, before they freeze it, actually, they're, they're adding staining agents. These are heavy metals. So they're adding more constituents to this mixture. That's heavy metals to, to just add contrast to the visibility of it. Then they're basically you know getting the temperature down, freezing it at a super low temperature. So now we're not watching anything living. We're watching only something that's dead and frozen solid. And then they're bombarding it with electrons, which actually produces the scan. This produces a high resolution of a small, small pieces of cellular material. But what you just did is you just mixed a whole bunch of variables that you didn't control for. And what would you call like mixed variables that you don't with no controls? It's called bad science, really bad science. It's fraudulent. And this is what passes for all virology now, right now. This is the what's going on. So what I'm positing is that the entire field, you know, you can ask any virologist, like if they, they'll say, yep, Daryl, that's exactly how we do it. We just assume that the person is contagious. We assume the animal is contagious. We assume the virus causes it. And then, yeah, basically... Basically, what happens is they, they just look for what they're finding. And what they're finding, of course, in scanning electron microscopy is they're just producing more artifacts. They are actually producing things that are these, these structures that they call viruses. But there is no video. Of course, you can't have a video of something so small because everything is a still picture on scanning electron microscopes. It's all still. It's not in video. When you see videos of a virus invading a cell, that's animation. So what we're what we're talking about there is a complete like PR stunt, like a complete public relations and perception management campaign that's running for more than 100 years now to get people to believe that pathogens like bacteria and in this case, these so-called viruses are causing disease. And they got everyone to believe in it because you are around sick people. And well, how else did that happen? Well, how it happened is because. The usual things that happen to get people sick. I'm around sick people in my healthcare practice all the time. I don't get sick from them. But, you know, in some cases, I could get sick just by being run down when I'm traveling and I'm stressed out or I'm in, you know, traveling frequently to dealing with stressful events like family and and other other things like that. And, and that's the moment where I'll get sick every several years. You know, if I run myself down, I will get ill. But this is what comes down to it. You can people who are curious about why is the germ theory of disease probably not accurate, what's the better thing? It's called the terrain model of disease. And that's taking into account all the factors of why if you're around sick people and you're nervous and you think you're going to get sick, that's called the nocebo effect. You can cause yourself to get sick by thinking that it's going to happen, by being afraid of it, by, by concentrating on it, plus being stressed. Plus, again, being nutrient deficient, like you've realized, Andrew, when you were talking about your diet and, you know, taking in the wrong things, plus being toxic, taking in, you know, sugars, which make the body nice and acid to grow, obviously, the wrong structures in your body and, and be further nutrient deficient. And you can look at the book, What Really Makes You Ill by Don Lester and David Parker. It's 700 pages to back up what I just said here. You can get the book Thugs, Drugs, and the War on Bugs by Dr. Brad Case. You can you can also go Virus Mania. That's another book on the topic. I've got like a nice library of the tomes on this topic of why is it that the germ theory does not add up? And this is an important thing. A lot of people are not ready for this topic, Andrew. They need to be right. You know, just like um, I'm sure if you've encountered atheists who have a strong need to be right about their conclusions, well, people love to be right about their conclusions because if they were wrong, well, you know, it's like Sam Clemens said, that's Mark Twain, you know, it's easier to fool a man than convince him he's been fooled. So I hope that's some food for thought. That, that's certain, that certainly is. I mean, when you think about it, 
when when you're when there's 10 people in a room and there's a and five five out of ten get sick and the other five don't why don't the other five get sick from the same virus the the difference is the is diet and 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 their nutrition maybe their exercise how how well they're ready to to to, to handle those viruses because if you'll notice that what i've seen is that those same that same group of people that survive these things are the same group of people that are that are determined and stubborn in their own ways and and and, and are confident and you know, believe that they can succeed. If you there's a lot, lot to be said for belief. If you believe that you're okay, if you believe you can heal yourself, uh, sometimes it takes faith and sometimes not. My my my, uh, my mom many years ago had a had a uh, pineal not pineal I think it's not pineal cyst. It was, a, uh, it was actually a cancerous cyst on on her on her rear end, and the doctor said you're you're you know it's it's cancer and it's going to spread and you're probably going to die, and she said no I'm not going to die and then. She said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go up to, uh, I, I was named, my, my name is Andrew, of course, and you know that already, but I was, my mom named me after Brother Andre, I guess he's a saint now, and um, one of the cathedrals was up in, in, in uh, uh, Quebec, so she said, I'm going to do a novena at, at, at Brother Andre's uh, shrine, and she went up and she was praying, and it was getting worse, and she was you know, starting to see that it was getting much worse, and one of the... Uh, uh, people at the at the shrine came over and said, "Look," she says, "I'm not going to charge you for this. We this is a a, a, a thing we sell. It was one of the pieces of the shrine of the of the shroud or whatever." She said, "And we normally charge for it." She says, "But you you need it." And she gave it to her for free. She says, "Just hold this and keep this with you, you know, and, and 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 just believe." She said. So she did her novena. She came back. And she was feeling pretty good, and she went to the doctor about a week later. And the doc looks at her and he says. I just ran all your tests. She says, really? She says, well, how long do I have to live? She goes, probably 90. He says, it's completely gone. There's no sign you ever had cancer. It's just completely gone. He says, I've never seen it in the textbooks. It's a historic, it's a, it's a, it's an impossibility. It's, you know, scientific impossibility. He said, yeah. Well, it is if, yeah, it's an impossibility. (laughs) If you're conditioned to read the textbooks written by the people who want to push the narrative. Right. Um, But if you're open-minded, if you're really a scientist about it, an open-minded scientist would do at least two things. First, they would know the scientific method and apply it, which is to say, okay, go ahead and collect evidence of, and then and then see what conclusion does it seem to point to, and then go ahead and set up experiments to see if that exper- you know, that type of conclusion can be demonstrated. And the same one, if you have some type of conclusion and evidence is building towards that direction, can you actually find evidence to the contrary that would poke holes in that conclusion? Can you just actually falsify a type of conclusion by finding an alternative version? So from my looking into cancer so far, everyone has cancers that are growing and dying all the time. And that it's the rapid increase in actual diagnosing and finding of these cancers. And then toxic ways of treating these cancers is what been causing people to die of the actual treatment, again, not the cancer most of the time. It's been very rare that the tumor actually will will go out of control and hurt someone. The most common thing is actually the tumors go out of control after someone has been toxified with chemotherapies, with radiation therapy, and with surgeries that were basically opening these up and making them spread instead of allowing their own body to heal and addressing the actual deficiencies and toxicities that they actually have going on. But if you're a doctor and you've been through the indoctrination of so many years of school, you know, there's a topic, um, there's a book on this one. It's called Disciplined Minds by Jeff Schmidt. And you can go ahead and understand like how people like me and other medical professionals went through this indoctrination process that got us to our medical license. And most of us were, you know, basically it's, it's self-selected for the most obedient and conformist and honestly, self-reflectively apathetic people ever. They could, we can do really well on tests. I might, I mean, like to you, Andrew, I might sound like I, I can cleverly answer things that I have some skill with speaking and such. But, you know, before I got to where I am right now, a lot of it was just to make me think that I was way smarter than I was to really have way more of high confidence than I actually and best served to have. Now I have like a diffidence and understanding that I'm I'm fallible, that 25 years in practicing medicine, I got it wrong for 22 years in concluding that bacteria cause diseases from the outside that you can get sick from them contagiously. 
I think I was pretty wrong about that. And I was extremely wrong that there's not a single piece of evidence that supports that viruses are actually structures that cause disease, that what they call viruses are actually waste. That's why they, when they looked at them, they're basically cell membranes like surrounding either waste products or toxins themselves. And it's the same thing. Like if you were looking at like um, still pictures of a meth house, you know, people who do methamphetamines, you know, like you're, if you're looking from the above, you could see a whole bunch of garbage bags outside of the house like proliferating garbage and junk cars and all kinds of things like that. And then the house goes on fire and burns down. Did the garbage bags cause the house to burn down? Or was that like a, basically those were the toxic byproducts of what was actually destroying that house, which is the real reality of it. You know, the toxins themselves cause the death of cells for sure. An atom of mercury is enough to pretty much destroy many types of cells and that's a common, you know, toxic component in this world. This industrial world has lots of mercury everywhere. Everyone who's like, look up and see, do you have a compact fluorescent bulb? That's mercury in there. You ever break one of those bulbs? Then you probably ingested some. Do you have like any of the silver mercury fillings in your mouth? Well, then you're probably breathing some of it in right now. That's changing things right now. You have mixed metals in your mouth. That's silver, mercury, and other amalgams together. Um, it would do you well to get some nice dental work and get that out of you. It would do you well to just understand that there are real causes of health and disease. And then there's widely publicized stories that are very convenient for the ruling class who make a lot of money. They own these pharmaceutical companies like, like Merck and Pfizer and, and Moderna. And they made a lot of money. They really cleaned up in this pandemic because there's a lot of credible people, you know, people just love to be right. That's that. I would call it the addiction to being certain, you know. And I'm gonna I'm gonna close on, on and for a topic for I'm sure I'm sure you're gonna want to come back because we got a lot to talk about, Daryl. Oh, I'm, cool. We're not gonna finish it tonight. You're definitely welcome back. But a topic I'd like to get into, and I, I got about ten minutes. We got a tornado bearing down us. I think it's gonna go north. I hope it does. But I, I want to be ready just in case. We've had these these crazy storms popping in and out. But one of the things that I told my doctor, we were talking, and I said, well, what about, you know, can't, you, can't your mind cure your body? And they're like, no, no, how can a mind cure the body? How can you? I said, I said, well, you know, we talked for a while, and I said, well, let, let me ask you a couple of quick questions. And you don't believe that you can cure yourself with your mind. I said, well, you know, you don't understand the world. You don't understand the universe. Oh, I'm, I've got PhD, this, that, and the other. Yeah, I, I know, well, I had physics, I had this. The guy was an incredible, incredibly bright, well-educated individual. And I looked at him and I said, well, let me ask you a couple of questions. I said, describe the conscious. What is consciousness? And he looks at me with a blank stare. Well, it's, and he gave, you know, the textbook definition. Like, no, no, no. Where, where does consciousness live? How can we extract <laughs> consciousness and, 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 and examine it from a scientific perspective? He just stared at me. Well, I'm going to ask you a dumber question. He goes, let's go back to Gen Let's go back to the Bible. Let's go back to Genesis. Let's go back to the creation of the universe. Oh, no, the Big Bang. No, there's no Big Bang. Nothing to do with a Big Bang. It was a Big Bang, all right. It was a, not the kind of bang you're talking about. So you, yes. I said, I, I, and I told myself, I'll believe anything you say if you can answer me. Since you're, you know physics, you're a physicist as, as well as a doctor. I said, just answer me two questions. And if you can answer those two questions specifically and accurately, then I'll believe that, that then, then I will believe that there are no miracles. He said, what are those two questions? I go, when did the universe begin? Or three questions ahead. When did the universe begin? Where did it come from? And what's going to happen when it ends? Just answer those three questions. <laughs> like, I can't answer them. I said, well, then it's a lot simpler to believe that God created and God gave us the power to heal ourselves. And he just looked at me dumbfounded. I'm saying, you've got to come to my church. He's now, he's, he's now a saved Christian. Now a saved oh, wow. Christian has changed his belief. But yeah, that's that's going to be a topic for another another day about about how the mind can work and and, and since you're in, in in that holistic medicine, I'd love to talk about that. But we've overextended our welcome, unfortunately, and we're running out of time, and we don't want to bore the the, the listeners because they have a limited attention span. I think we've gone past that, but I don't think they're going to get bored of this conversation that we had because it was phenomenal, Daryl. Do you have any any closing remarks that we can say? And and then uh, again, don't forget we will get back together again at some point. Yeah, I just want to certainly get it like for anyone out there who you know a show that you know especially on video and you want that show to have more eyes and ears on their material because they're in the alt media they're getting censored 
you know, help help uh, them hook us up with contentsafe.co. We're going to help them grow their audience. That's what we do. And that's something very important. I just want to say, um, if you if you liked what I have to offer with holistic healthcare information, I do work for people to solve complicated chronic illnesses and injuries. Uh, I not just here in the Big Island of Hawaii, but I mean, I'm doing medical consulting for clients across the U.S. And there are a lot of uh, basically, I, I get that done because I I know how to find effective people that solve medical problems. And mostly, you know, if you're listening to this show, you probably don't know how to research to find effective people to solve the problems because they're not going to be covered by your insurance and they're not usually going to have an MD behind their name. That's not the way it generally works, though some of the MDs actually will solve your problems. Most of them will cause them. That's what they do. That's what they're paid to do. That's how they're trained. And yeah, I, I think that um, we'll, we might have my, my contact info in the show notes for this one. Um, I just been say it's been a real pleasure to join you, Andrew. And yeah, I look forward to next time being on your show. Sounds great. And once again, be sure and uh, send that information to both me and to, and to uh, Curtis Ray. Uh, again, thank you so much for coming. We have a lot to talk about. I'm sure we could have four or five shows and you're more than welcome. We'll get you all across the board. Maybe you can help us promote them too. There you go. We really could use that. And God bless you for being on the show today. Again, this is Daryl from uh, Content Safe, Daryl Becker from Content Safe. Please check his website out if you have a podcast or any kind of videos you want to send up and get be seen and actually be not censored. Please do visit his website and support and support him. He's a really great man. Thanks again for, for coming on tonight. Thanks so much, Andrew. to Daryl and all my listeners for this, this podcast and this interview. God bless you all. Have a good night.